And so this short talk is going to be a brief and certainly not all-inclusive um, example of application of the things we've talked about in our first uh, talks, first nine talks. How would you apply that? And we're going to apply specifically what we've learned in determining who do you trust? Who's trustworthy in your real day-to-day -day human relationships? How can you apply these things to determining who's trustworthy? Well, when you decide who's trustworthy, what is trust based on? Trust is based upon, does the other person love you more than they love themselves at its root? It's based on, are they transformed to have God's love in their heart, where they're capable of loving another person more themselves, or are they still operating on the principles of me first, survival drive, and watch out for number one? If they're still operating on that principle, as long as things are going well, as long as there's not stress, as long as it works to their advantage, then they can do things that appear to be in your interest. But when push comes to shove, when sacrifice needs to be made, when they are operating primarily on self first, you will be sacrificed and you will be betrayed in order to protect themselves. We can't trust people who don't love us more than they love self. And so from lectures one and two, understanding that, lectures one and two, we understand God's original design. We understand the, the principles of love. Somebody uh, emailed in a question and asked, um, well, define God's law of love. God's law of love is not simply an emotion of compassion. The law of love is operational and functional. It is the principle of other-centeredness, other the principle of giving upon which life is built to operate. And we gave all those examples in the first lecture. And so lecture when we understood God's design, how he built life to operate on that principle, and everything that lives gives, and it stops Doing so, it will result in death. And there's multiple, multiple examples. I only gave a couple in our first lecture because we're trying to do small lectures, not these expanded long ones. And so in the first lecture, we, we learned about that. We learned that lies believe, break the circle of love and trust, and humankind became infected with this antagonistic principle to love, this principle of survival drive, this selfish principle. We also learned about the law of liberty, and love only exists in an atmosphere of liberty. And, and understand that the human nature has been changed in this way. Notice what it says about Jesus in John 2. Jesus would not entrust himself to others, to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. In other words, I think this is saying he knows that we are born in sin, conceived in iniquity. He knows without him in our life, without the working of the Spirit, re reproducing Christ within, that all of us are driven by fear and selfishness, and we will ultimately be untrustworthy and betray him. And we even see that not in just Judas. Did you not see it several times in Peter? Where Peter tried to stop him on several occasions from doing what he needed to do. Yes. And so Jesus would not entrust himself. There's a lesson. We can't trust people who haven't been recreated to be Christ-like and love us more than they love themselves. So the integrative evidence-based approach, thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is now third lecture, law of worship. 
By beholding, we become changed. So we understand that because of sin, all human beings are struggling with fear and selfishness. We don't look at people and throw stones. We look at people with compassion and love and recognize that we suffer from the same condition. And but for the grace of God, there go I. And these people could be transformed and renewed to become our best friends if they come to know Christ as well. We look to them and we know that we can't really trust them unless they have Christ working within and they come to love us. We also can evaluate the God they worship. Tell me about the God you worship, the God you believe in. And we can then understand from the law of worship what kind of person they're becoming. You can't avoid it. I've seen this. Sometimes it's slow. I have seen people over the course of years, sometimes decades. I've known people for several decades. And I can see where they were when I met them. And I can see where they are today. And depending on the God they worship, they are changed over time either to become more gracious, more kind, more loving, more friendly, more approachable, more enjoyable. You have a unity. You have a bond. I've seen it. Have you seen it? Have you also seen the other? They become more untrustworthy, more um, self-centered, more accusatory, more uh, divisive, more hard-hearted, more unhappy, more miserable, more symptomatic, more sick. Have you seen it? So you can use this and understand, hey, they're worshiping this type of a God. If they don't come to see God in His true light, this is going to have a derogatory effect on them over time. They will apply principles, even with good intention. I'm doing this because I want to follow God's will. But if they misunderstand God's will, well, they might strap bombs on themselves and blow people up in the name of God. That's an extreme example, but you can reduce that to something less than lethal and still see the same problem, can't you? So understanding the God people worship, the law of worship, can give us insight on whether we can trust people. Science, meditation on the God of love, we understand is calming to the fear circuit, which means we become less self-referenced as we're less fearful. Fear is the emotion that drives us to be self-referenced. Love casts out fear. As we come to love, uh, we become less fearful, which means we become less self-referenced. We become more capable of looking to a larger reality and using our resources to bless and help others as we're less fearful. So trust is based on what? First principle, does the other person love us, love you more than they love themselves? If the answer to that is no, you can still love them. Look at Jesus loving Judas. But you can't trust them. You can't. Because they'll betray you to protect themselves. And the second element that needs to be there in order to trust somebody, they have to have self-governance. Self-governance. Last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If they don't have self-governance, you can't, you can't still trust them. And so look at the Bible principle in Ephesians. 4.13, we are to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. You see, you may have a child that loves you, your six-year-old daughter or son, but would you give them your paycheck to take to the bank? But, but they love you and they really do. And if they saw you in harm's way, they would run into danger, put themselves in harm's way to protect you. See, loving you more than themselves is a prerequisite to being able to trust somebody. If they don't, they will betray you. But people can still love you more than themselves and be so immature and have such lack of self-governance 
that they can't carry out the good that they would like to do. They haven't grown up. And so, in order to, trust, to be trustworthy, we have to love others more than self, and we also have to grow in our spiritual journey to become mature people, practicing godly principles, having the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. So, trust is based on the other person loving you more than self, the other person having self-control. No, and bold points. This is going to be very helpful in your real-life applications. And third, the other person has real wisdom. They know design law. They know how reality as God built it is intended to operate. They know what deviations from God's design will actually do. Or at least they demonstrate the capacity to grow in wisdom. They are not closed off to it. They have a heart that loves truth. They're willing to advance and develop as they're able to understand it. So at least they're growing in wisdom. The mature are those who've developed by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong or the good from the evil. You see, you may have somebody who loves you more than self, who has self-control, they're very well disciplined, but they have a God construct of level four, penal legal rules, and therefore they believe that it is proper and right for the husband to have authority over the wife, and they use imperialistic rules and control and dictatorial methods in order to protect the wife and tell her who she can talk to and that person at work doesn't give them, and you can't make phone calls to that person because that person doesn't love the Lord and be putting restrictions. And they're only doing it because they love you and they want to protect you, but they don't understand God's design laws and they're violating the law of liberty and they're destroying love in your heart and they're inciting rebellion and they're damaging your individuality. You can't trust that person, even though they love you and they're only doing it because they love you and they have self-control they still don't have wisdom. And you can't trust that person. We must grow to understand God's design laws, how reality actually works, including the law of liberty. Level four thinkers can have that self-governance, but they often, and I see this a lot in patients that come to see me, with husbands or wives, and either side of it, you see it go both directions, where the person really loves their spouse, and they really want a healthy marriage, and they really want a happy marriage, but uh, and they do have good self-governance. They are really, really what you might call disciplined people who live a very disciplined life. But when it comes to treating others, they want to enforce rules on their partner. Rather than respect the individuality and the autonomy and liberty of their partner. And thus, those relationships suffer. Level four thinkers misinterpret the Bible through imposed law lenses and becomes like that dictator God that they worship. In order to have trust, we must apply the principles of God's design. We must have people who have surrendered to Christ and have hearts renewed that they love you more than self. They have to have grown in godly wisdom uh, and personal self-governance so that they have self-control and also understand God's design laws. And there's one more thing that's necessary if you meet somebody who is, does love you more than self. They do have good self-governance, the last fruit of the Spirit. They do have good godly wisdom. They are a trustworthy person. But you have to have the ability and capacity to trust others in order for trust to be established. And many people have gone through, whether it's trauma experiences, exploitation, betrayal, some element in their life where they've been burned and hurt and their capacity and or willingness to trust has been compromised, 
and they don't trust anybody. You're never burning me again. And even when they meet trustworthy people, they don't recognize trustworthy people anymore because they paint the lens of their past experiences over all new people. And they don't evaluate people with the objectives that they are experiencing from those people and evaluating, are you a person, do you demonstrate that you love me? Do you demonstrate self-control? Do you demonstrate wisdom in how you make decisions and governance of yourself and, and how you treat others? They're not judging people based on the actual evidences that they're experiencing. They're doing it based on their past experiences and painting the world with that brush. And they, know they don't trust anybody. And they live a fearful life. And they end up then burning relationships and turning people against them. So we must experience the truth about God, be one to trust in Him, open our hearts to be reborn, have the Holy Spirit take the victories of Christ, reproduce it in us, so it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. We actually experience being loved by Him, and we are one to love in Him, and therefore want to love others as well. And we heal the wounds of our past through God's grace through becoming that, into that intimate relationship with him. Applying truth, which destroys lies. I will tell you, I do lots of work with trauma victims. I have never yet met a trauma victim. It doesn't matter what age they were traumatized. As a child, as an adolescent, as an adult, it doesn't matter. Trauma victims, everyone I've ever met has some distortion, some falsehood, some misinterpretation, some lie in their head that causes them suffering and pain. So we must heal the wounds of our past, and truth sets us free. Truth heals. Can't change history. History can't be undone, can't be redone. But we can change our hearts and minds. We can experience renewal, recreation, regeneration, healing. That can happen. And then we must choose then, as we move forward, to apply God's principles in how we live our lives, in how we treat others, in the boundaries we draw in relating to others, assessing where we draw those boundaries based on the evidences that people reveal to us about who they are, rather than based on our deep insecurities, our longings to be accepted, our wishes to be loved, and so people make decisions with hopes, dreams, and wishes, ignoring evidences, and they get burned over and over again. As we apply these principles to our life, we assess reality as it presents itself to us. We apply the truth in our decision-making, and we leave others free to not like us if they don't like us. It's okay. I love you enough to let you not like me. Do you know how many people can't tolerate that? And then ultimately doing this, we trust those who are trustworthy. It's time for a roundtable discussion.